Hello, I'm Becky Hadid, host of The Storied Recipe. As my weekly guests share their stories through the vessel of cherished food memories, we all become better cooks, more grateful for the gift of food, and we honor those that have loved us through their cooking. Hello, listeners. It is so great to be back with you guys again this week. First things first, have you heard my original interview with Liz Zunin? Liz is the author and illustrator of a stunningly beautiful autobiographical children's book titled Grandpa Cacao. If you have not heard that original episode, you're going to want to pause this right now and go back and listen to it. The link is right there in the show notes. Grandpa Cacao was one of my favorite episodes ever. Um, We discussed Liz's years in the Ivory Coast and also her Ivorian family that worked the cacao farms there for several generations. Liz also gives us a little bit of an education on chocolate farming. (laughs) I learned a lot. Um, Cacao farming, I suppose. And also the definition of fair trade chocolate and what that really looks like when it's marketing and when it's um, truly fair trade. We also discussed Liz's artistic process as she created this beautiful book titled Grandpa Cacao, um, which is, again, just a really uplifting book about the power of cooking to connect generations, um, even across continents between New York and the Ivory Coast. So again, if you haven't listened yet, just click on the link in the show notes, do that now, and then come back to this retrospective episode. And if you have listened, and even if you haven't really, I am excited to welcome you and Liz back to discuss the reception of that book because it was still fairly recent um, when I first had her on. Liz and I also discuss about the 18 books that she has now illustrated at this point in her career and all the different techniques she's used along the way, including actually hand stitching dresses for her most recent children's book project. Liz also is going to share with us some really happy news from her personal life just in time for Valentine's Day this week. So again, I'm so happy that you're here and welcome Liz. Hello. Hi, Becky. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Very good. Oh, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Sure. Yeah. Pleasure. Thanks for reaching out. Oh, of course. Yeah. I just, you must be so busy as your career is growing. (laughs) Yeah. It's been a busy couple of years, I'd say, but I'm very happy with the work. Yeah. Oh, you should be. You should be. So, well, let's jump right in. And I do want to thank you again in person that you sent us, um, an autographed version of your really beautiful book, Grandpa Cacao, which I still treasure. Um, My youngest is seven now, and we still try to read before school most days. It doesn't happen every day now just because of his older brother's schedule. But just last week, he brought me that book again to read. So thank you. Thank you very much for that book. Sure. That's so sweet. I'm so happy to hear that your, your family's still enjoying it. We sure are. So I guess I'd like to start with that. Tell me there must be a lot of stories like that. So tell me about some of the impact that you've seen your book, Grandpa Cacao have, um, maybe some accolades it's received. And also I didn't ask you last time how your family, your Ivorian family received it. So talk to me a little bit about that. 
Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it's, it's gotten a lot of really very nice uh, reviews. <laughs> um, I think the greatest impact for me has probably been sharing the book with young students and then opening up conversations about where our food comes from, mm. um, which are very, very important conversations to have. And also just sharing family traditions with one another, Mm -hmm. Um, not necessarily food traditions in the kitchen, but things that you do with your family members that are special or that um, have a a really important bonding, um, take take a lot of bonding time uh, and building relationships with one another, especially intergenerationally. I think it's important to continue to value those relationships with our elders Yes. Um, as time passes on. Absolutely. And, yeah. And it's been really a great, really, um, really great to see how my friends, my friends who are my age, how their children have been mm. enjoying the book. <laughs> some of my childhood friends. Yeah. Some of my childhood friends um, have shared the, have read the book and, and made the chocolate cake recipe with their, with their children and sent me photos. And it's just like, oh, wow. Like, this book, you know, and, and that is not only impact impacting people my age, but people younger than me who are creating the next generation yeah. um, are, are sharing, sharing this book with one another. And it's just like, wow, this, this little human that you created is enjoying the book <laughs> that I created. Like, that's kind of weird. <laughs> that awesome. oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. 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 And that's what the book does. I think you just do display that intergenerational bonding happening um so beautifully it is kind of inspiring like yeah let's go in the kitchen and make something together and talk about the heritage of this dish yeah yeah, hmm. yeah. have you yeah, and my avoiding family has been oh sorry go ahead no no go ahead and then i'll follow up yeah i was just gonna say yeah my avorian family on my dad's side has also um, been very happy and very proud of the book you sent a couple of of um copies to family members, both in the Ivory Coast and also in France. Mm. So it's great to like share the story with people that are related to mm-hmm. myself and the characters in this story. And, and also people um, that I don't, I don't have a personal relationship with mm. um, some of my Amphorian family that I've never actually met. We've sent copies of the book too. So it's, it's another way to, to kind of like forge a, a relationship and create a bond through a book. Mm, yeah. And how affirming, because I, I know we talked about this the last time, but one of the things that impressed me so much about the book is that you drew such a beautiful balance between giving so much dignity to the work, but also highlighting the exploitation that was going on. Really, um, that mm-hmm. balance was just masterful. And what an affirmation that your family there who, um, you know, is closer to the situation just, you know, generationally, um, yeah. Like has, has really appreciated that balance also and kind of put their stamp of approval on the way that you conveyed that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So have you taken the book? Um, like when you said, just interacting with other kids, has that mostly been, have you taken, um, have you gone into schools and talked about it? How has that happened? Yeah, I've done a couple, I think since the book has come out, the book came out in May, 2019. So mm-hmm before the pandemic, but, um, I think with this book, I've done more, um, visits in libraries, um, with the book. Um, yeah, a couple of, um, and, and 
also a couple of virtual school visits. Yeah. With the book. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's, always, it's always fun to like bring the book to a library with mm-hmm. some chocolate samples and some, you know, additional information about chocolate making and and read the book and and see what young kids have to say about it. Yeah. That's great. That's so great. That must be just so affirming every time you go. What a um just so gratifying. Yeah. Yeah. It's this is yeah, this is the first book for which I'm the author and the illustrator. So it's nice to to share that book in a in a, in a special way. Yeah. Well, it continues to bless us. It's really just a beautiful book and I love I love everything about it. So um so mean <laughs> I really do. So <laughs> in the meantime, it's been uh almost 3 3 years, which that can't be possible. Nine, yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh wow. That's that's yeah. crazy. So um in that time your career has just continued to blossom and blossom. So how many books have you collaborated on now at this point in your career? Um, this point, I think I've collaborated on about 18 books. That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. And I was, I was looking, um, I was looking them up yesterday. It was, I, I, I thought I followed you pretty closely because I am such a big fan, but it's, yeah, it's a lot more even than I realized. And was I wrong or did you, um, did you do one for like young adults? Not, um, not just children. It was a very graphic. I'm going to look it up right now. It was a very graphic book, um, red and black. Yeah. What is that book? Yep. That is called Martha and the Slave Catchers by Harriet Hyman Alonso. Yeah, that's the only um, young adult um, novel that I've illustrated. I created, I think about 11 black and white illustrations for that. So that book is mostly text because it's for older readers. Mm. Was that pretty cool doing a different type of process? Yeah, I had to kind of use like a different part of my brain to think about creating the art with only two colors and only thinking about line and pattern and not necessarily gradation of color Mm. or texture really. Mm. Um, yeah. So that was kind of like the illustrations for that book were, were more so like kind of putting a puzzle together, making sure the pieces fit, um, using only black and white, (laughs) black and white shapes. Interesting. A real problem solving approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yet they're so layered. They're really like it's amazing that with just like you said black and white you can create so many layers it's almost like the yeah, illustrations stand out from this page so it's amazing <laughs> um thank you yeah so how do you i i i shouldn't even ask this question i'll probably end up taking it out because uh <laughs> one i guess there's just politics of the people you work with but also because it's like asking if you have a favorite child but is there one that you've particularly enjoyed working on or that you're particularly proud of, or I guess just a favorite of the last few years? Um, oh, well, yeah, it's hard to choose. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, I think the most recent, well, one of the most recent books that I finished is called stitch by stitch. Yes. Elizabeth Hobbs Keckley sells her way to freedom by Connie Schofield Morrison. Um, yeah, that book was published, I think in November of 2021. Mm -hmm. And that was another, another place that I could really sort of spread my wings as an artist and as an illustrator, because I love painting, painting Mm -hmm. with oil paint. I love 
um, using cut paper collage. But since this book is about a young woman who uses sewing Mm -hmm. and dressmaking to um, build a life for herself outside of slavery, I thought this is a real opportunity for me to use something in the artwork that's really in service to the story. And since Mm -hmm. stitching and sewing and fabric is, is really how this woman builds her life, I decided that um, I would try to figure out how I could implement um, more textured elements. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I remember when you- Sort of three-dimensional elements in the artwork. So I use- Hey, Elizabeth, um, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. I'm losing you. I can hear you fine now. So sorry. Um, I, I lost a good chunk, I think of the last few sentences. So you said that, um, you found that you could do something that was like really in service to the story. And then I started to lose what you were saying. Can we try that again? I'm sorry. Sure. No, that's fine. Yeah. I think my internet connection might be unstable. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. You're not, that happens to me a lot because I I was talking to someone in Port-au-Prince, Haiti last week and hers, there was a huge pause every time one of us spoke. No. Yeah. um, Yeah. So I was saying for this book, Stitch by Stitch, I wanted to use um, some kind of art form that would be in service to the story. So since this book is about a woman named Elizabeth Kegley, who uses sewing and dressmaking to create a life for herself outside of slavery, I decided that I wanted to experiment with using um, fabric and ribbon and embroidery within the illustrations as well. Yeah. And you actually hand stitched some of your own uh, little, little dresses and stuff then to incorporate in. Is that true? Yeah. Um, I, in in addition to collecting um, scraps of paper for my regular um, collage illustration work, I also love going to the fabric store and collecting interesting fabrics. I've got a treasure trove of um, plastic bins full of fabric at home. (laughs) And I also went back to the fabric store and got more fabric, of course, for the story. Yeah. so yeah, and and I love experimenting with, with sewing when I'm not working on a book, um, making very simple purses and handbags and things. So this was an opportunity to kind of involve one of my hobbies into my, you know, career work. Uh, yeah, I was just so amazed when you posted about that. Just such a painstaking process. Did you have to... Um... Did you research at all the types of fabrics or patterns that they had back then and try to um, like visually try to stay faithful to that or anything, or did you just go with something that you liked? How did you make those choices? Yeah, I did do a lot of research, um, into the fashions of the age, the 1860s, um, mainly, um, and the subject of the story, Elizabeth Hobbs Keckley sewed dresses for Mary Todd Lincoln. Oh, uh, when she was in the white house and a lot of other very prominent ladies of Washington, DC, Wow. So there are photographs of some of these ladies in some of the dresses that are um, purported to be sewn by Elizabeth Keckley. Mm. So I worked from some of those and then just also other, other historical sources. Um, this was back in the day when um, labels and brand names were not sewn into uh, <laughs> clothing. So yeah. the, the Smithsonian, the Smithsonian does own a couple of dresses, um, that they know to be sewn by her 
but wow. you know, there are, I'm sure there are plenty of dresses out there that don't have any sort of label that, you know, that might be purported to her as well. So absolutely, absolutely kind of, kind of a guessing game and kind of also using my own artistic interpretation to, to figure out what might look good on the page or what kind of color of fabric I thought might be appropriate. Of course, of course. Yeah. So I had a um, children's writer on la- last year, almost exactly a year ago. She wrote a book called um, Cora Cook's Pantsit. It was about a large Filipino family. And um, I was curious she actually told me something really interesting, which is that um, during the process, she was not allowed to talk to her illustrator at all. Um, and she thought it was a good choice. She she had a lot of good reasons for that. She said at first she was a little skeptical, which as an author, that would be very difficult for me to hand ownership over. Is that is that a typical process? Like, how, do you have complete artistic license? How does that work? That is a very typical process. I do not communicate with the author at all during the process of creating the illustrations. It's all done through the art director of the book and or the illustrator of the book. Um, Sometimes the author has particular things that they want me as the illustrator to make sure that I implement Mm -hmm. into the illustrations, but then they will communicate that to the art director and the art director will communicate that then to me. Okay. And then do you... Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm, I I work well by myself. So I like, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no. I work pretty well by myself um, in my little cocoon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, And if I had, if if I'm losing you again, give it one second. The last time it came back real strong. um, There work from there. Hold hold on. I okay. lost I lost you again. The last time it came back real strong. So let's just give it give it a second. Um you had said you okay. work real well for yourself in your little cocoon. And then sorry, where did you where did you yeah. go from there? Yeah, I work pretty well in my little cocoon by myself. I'm happy to to work with just a list of requests from the art director or from the author and with my own research and with the book manuscript and and go from there. Yeah. So also a question about the process, um, you know, with an author, they would have to turn in a manuscript and then they would get notes back and so on and so forth. Is there a similar process for the illustrations? Do you turn in kind of sketches and then get, how does that go? Yeah, exactly. I turn in uh, pencil sketches to the art director and then I do get comments um, and notes, add something in the background, remove something. um, And then I will work on those changes and resubmit the sketches. And then once I get final approval, then I can start my, my color artwork. Mm, Okay. So that leads me into another question that I was um, wondering about, especially I think when I saw stitch by stitch and I saw just how how many different um, techniques that you used, which is something, of course, you showcased in Grandpa Cacao and you've showcased that in all your work. But I'm wondering, as you get well-known for things like oil painting and things like, um, especially some of the more unusual things like the paper collages, um, the fabric work now, do you ever feel um, constrained? Like people know 
the Liz Zunin style and they, and they want that and you feel constrained, or do you feel like you have opportunities like stitch by stitch where you get to continue to grow and evolve your style and, um, change, you know what I'm asking? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think I ever feel constrained. Mm. Um, if there's something that I really think is important for me to try to do in the illustrations, um, I'll have a conversation with the art director or the editor. And I've never been told you can't do this or you can't do that. Wow. <laughs> so I've been, yeah, very lucky um, in that I, I am able to, to stretch a little bit and to experiment a little bit with each book. That's wonderful. That's kind of every artist's dream, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I would get bored if I just did the exact same art style for 18 to 20 books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, one more book related question before we just turn on to turn, turn and catch up on your personal life. Um, again, when I was looking back, I had never noticed your work before in, um, a book called don't call me grandma about a grandmother who yeah. eats fried fish. And can you tell us a little bit about the story? I was really I was just really taken by the story. Yeah, this is a, this book, Don't Call Me Grandma, uh, by Vonda Michelle Nelson, tells the story of a, a grandmother who's a little bit prickly, a little bit maybe harsh mm. on the outside. Um, she wears bright red lipstick and a string of pearls and fancy jewelry. Um, so her great granddaughter is a little bit leery of her, doesn't really want to get too close to her, but she learns, um, little by little that grandma is this way because she has to protect her heart mm. because her heart has been broken many times before. Mm. Um, so this is a, a book inspired by real life great, great grandmother of the author. Mm. Um, so I had the opportunity to, um, think about my own relationships with, um, the elderly women in my family. And I was mm. able to use some of the jewelry and some of the little knickknacks um, from my my great-grandmother and my great-aunts mm. as inspiration for some of the, the pieces in the book. So mm. this was a fun opportunity to work a little bit differently um, mm. in terms of illustration style. Instead of painting and collage, mm -hmm. this was all um, drawing and collage so this I really? used a lot of marker and pen and pastel colored pencil rather than paint oh really wow there was still such a um yeah there was so, like you used the word earlier gradient there were so many um gradients in the colors that you used I never would have guessed that that's amazing that's amazing. I think I really liked the story because, um, there's, there's a, it's a book about empathy. There's a lot of books about empathy, mm. um, that are like peer to peer. And there's, mm. <laughs> there's a lot, as I was always reading to my kids, the parent is always kind of the perfect parent in the book, you know, and that's good. It makes mm. kids feel safe and warm, but sometimes I felt like, well, <laughs> my kids must think, oh, I wish I had these book moms, you know? And I liked, I, this is actually the only story I can think of um, where a kid is kind of, um, it, it's not like they're expected to or told to, but they just gently learn empathy for an older person. And it's mm. this idea of presenting an older, an adult as, as a human, um, I, it's, right. that's very unique, actually, I think in, in children's literature, I think that's really special. Yeah. Yeah. This was a really great story to, mm -hmm. to, to, to investigate and to, 
spark conversations with. For sure. For sure. Well, hopefully listeners will go invest in the entire Lazoon and library <laughs> of works. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I thought of you one, honestly, to this day, your episode is one of my favorites I've ever released. And I don't, I don't actually really, um, go back and listen to a lot of my episodes for, for various reasons, but I went back and listened to yours quite a bit. I, I just enjoyed it. It made me feel peaceful and happy. It taught me a lot. And I just, I, I went back and read it, um, listened to it quite a bit. So I've been kind of wanting to have you back on for a while now. And I thought this would be the perfect opportunity to have you on right around Valentine's Day. Um, one, because Grandpa Cacao is a book about chocolate and chocolate yeah. and Valentine's Day makes sense. But also because um, you have this wonderful news in your life, which is that you recently got married. Yes, I got married um, in September of 2021. Well, first of all, congratulations on that. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And um, yeah, tell me about that. Tell me us a little bit about your your love story, how you met, and also if you had any special traditions or foods um, that you used to honor your heritages at the wedding. Yeah, um, well, my husband, Kevin, and I met at, um, at a bar. Oh, <laughs> a did <Friday> you? <laughs> <laughs> um, a little over a decade ago. Wow. And yeah, um, <clears throat> we had a beautiful wedding. Obviously it was a, you know, during the pandemic. So, mm. um, a lot of friends and family who had to travel, were not able to travel, but we had a beautiful time with our friends and family that were there, a lot of music, a lot of dancing. Mm. <laughs> um, I feel like it, it went by in such a blur. We didn't have time to eat all of mm. the goodies that were there, but <laughs> we did make sure that the bottom tier of the wedding cake was a chocolate cake. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and we did have some of that and we were able to, um, to, um, bring leftovers home of the, the chocolate part of the cake. None of that rest of the cake survived, but we were able to, to steal some of the chocolate cake to bring home. So we have that in the freezer. Um, so on special occasions, we'll thaw, thaw a piece and, and have a piece of our, our wedding cake, wedding cake, chocolate wedding cake to celebrate. Yeah. But there are, there were a couple other um, chocolate goodies um, during, <laughs> during the dessert service at the, at the wedding, but we were so busy dancing. We didn't even yeah. really eat that much. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can always eat the chocolate cake as, as you're showing, you can always eat the chocolate cake later, but you can't always dance with your friends and family. So was that hard? Did you kind of have to keep putting it off and putting it off because of the pandemic or how did, um, no, we didn't, we didn't, um, we didn't end up having to put it off. We started planning kind of slowly and cautiously mm -hmm. and things were starting to open up and venues were able to accept more and more people. And we were just keeping in touch with friends and family and keeping them updated with, you know, the numbers of <clears throat> allowed guests and, and mm -hmm. things like that. Um, but no, we didn't have to put off anything. And we, <laughs> we bought, um, Especially made masks with our, our initials and our oh. <laughs> wedding dates on them and have had them available for guests at the wedding. That's um, awesome. Yeah. That's great. So That's great. It was fun. Yeah. Well, good. Well, good. So just two, two more quick questions. Do you have, you share in your book, Grandpa Cacao, um, your chocolate celebration cake, which the little girl in the book, it's, it's an autobiographical book is making with her father while talking about her grandfather, 
from the Ivory yeah. Coast who was a, a chocolate farmer. So um, you shared that recipe in the book and I made that the last time. It's okay if you don't, but do you happen to have any other favorite chocolate recipes that you'd like to share with, um, with, with, with our listeners? Yeah. Um, let's see. I've made once or twice recently. Um, I've always wanted to make a souffle. Oh, so I, I found a recipe for a chocolate souffle on the internet, which I, I have made and I enjoyed very much. Um, yeah. And then sometimes I'll just go to the grocery store and get those, um, the Pillsbury, um, uh, croissant dough. Yes. yes. And I'll just take mini chocolate chips and open up the little triangle squares of the croissant dough and sprinkle a couple of chocolate chips in there, roll them up and make a little chocolate croissant um, in the oven. What could be better? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. Well, Liz, I do want to thank you again for your time. I know you are super busy. Um, Can you just tell everyone where to find you and your books? Um, And I'm sure you have more, more coming out in the future. Sure. Yeah. Um, you can find me at my website, lizzunan.com. Mm-hmm. And also you can search for Elizabeth Zunan on amazon.com and Barnes and Noble and wherever you buy your books. Yeah. It's really handy. I guess it's been there for a while, but I feel like I've started to use the author feature, um, oh, yeah. or the person feature on Amazon so much more than I used to. So yeah, you can easily get all of your books just using that feature, which I will link to in the show notes, every, every book that you've collaborated on, um, which is amazing. So yeah, thank you for the gift of your artwork and thank you again for your time. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was great catching up. (laughs) My pleasure. Take care, Liz. Okay. All right. Thank you. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you again, Liz. You can find her information as well as links to Grandpa Cacao and the other books that we discussed in this episode and her author profile at Amazon all right there in the show notes. Um, I didn't do a middle read today because it was just a shorter retrospective interview, but I do want to remind you before we leave that there are three ways you can support the Storied Recipe podcast, and I do very much depend on your support. So the first thing you can do is just make sure you subscribe to the podcast, either right there in the player that you're listening to, or you can subscribe to my newsletter. So you get um, a link to the episode as well as a link to each week's recipe and just some personal updates, any other resources that I'm releasing. You'll get those every week if you subscribe to the newsletter. The second thing you can do is leave a five-star review. And there is a really handy little link right there at the bottom of your show notes where you can leave a review. Um, That link will just kind of figure out what player you're using, what browser you're in, if that's how you're listening, and it will tell you the best way to leave a review. Um, You won't have to (laughs) tinker around or find anything. And finally, the best way you can support the podcast financially and also really even just emotionally um, is you can shop the Storied Recipe print shop. And that is where I sell prints um, that I have produced using my camera and really extraordinary light to just celebrate the beautiful gifts of nature that we all value and my guests' recipes and stories. 
Um, every print in there comes from a story that a guest shared with me. So again, not only is this a good way to financially support the podcast, it also just anytime I get an order come through, it just, it kind of knocks me over feeling like somebody, um, cares enough about the time and the effort that I put into create, um, that artwork enough to buy it. It, it means a lot to me personally. So those are three things you can do to support the podcast. Cannot wait to come back next week with Anissa's story of um, being a refugee from the former USSR, from Ukraine, in fact, which is, uh, of course, in the news these days. So I'm looking forward to welcoming Anissa. And in the meantime, have a great week, my friends. My friends.